really felt like the Lord spoke to us last Sunday. It was an awesome time. And uh, I, I just wanted to debunk something today that is kind of deep. It's kind of something we don't talk about a whole lot. It's something we think about a whole lot. It's something that the devil lies to us about a whole lot. But I, I want to pose a question today. Don't quit the church or leave. Let me finish my sermon. But what if, what if God's not real? You would never say it out loud, especially at church. But it's the reason why you struggle. There are times in your life when you don't want to say it, but you just wonder, is he even there? Does he even hear? And there is an antichrist spirit in the world right now that is telling us that God's not real. There's an atheist movement now that is very strong that tells us that we're just all crazy. And so lately, I have been feeling that spirit, and if you don't answer that spirit with truth, it will take you over. And so I began to research and pray and ask God, well, God, help me figure this out. If you're not real, which is kind of funny praying to God about whether he's real, but if, if this is not real, then what will I do? Let's just consider the option. Because if I'm not afraid of it, if God is really real, I don't, I'm not afraid to ask, right? I'm not afraid. And so I, I began to, I, I felt peace in my heart, come to a conclusion of what, what I would do if I began to acknowledge that God wasn't real. And I tried from as illogically as I could to figure this out. I will, though, take you to Scripture just to kind of base this off of, of something. Acts 2, 39, 40, and 41. I just recently talked about it. I believe I mentioned it briefly last Sunday, but I want to highlight it because it really stood out to me last Sunday. Acts 2, 39, and this goes in hand in hand with last Sunday talking about the day of Pentecost, people receiving the Holy Ghost. It's for everybody. And it's awesome, verse 39, here's what the Bible says. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And Peter was preaching here, that's what he just got done saying. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Remember when I talked about how that word in the Greek actually means crooked, all right? Like scoliosis, like scoliosis for your backbone. And so notice, the, notice this, that he didn't just preach about Jesus and the love of Jesus and the death of Jesus. He also, when preaching about their conversion, talked about how bad the society was. Because you know what also convinces me that God is real? Watching people who say there is no God and how they live. Think about it for a second. It's one thing to say God is real and measure Christians. It's another to look for people that don't believe in God and measure how good their life is going. And so today, I want to take the other side. I want to look at our perverse generation who tells us that there's no God. And I want to see if they got it going on or not. Because surely if they're right they ought to be blessed. If they're right, they ought to be happy, right? If they're right, there ought to be truth behind it, and everything ought to get better if they're right, not worse. So I want to take the other part of why I believe in God, and I want to pose the question of what if I lived without him? What if he wasn't real? What would life be like? What would I do if I considered the fact that there may not be a God? How would I live my life that would be a blessing without God? Everybody say, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. I'm so glad you're here. If you're a guest, I'm glad you're here. I hope we can meet you. 
before you leave today, we want to meet you. Now, we do pray at the end of service, so if you're hungry and if you love food, you're going to miss us, but we're hungry for Jesus, and so we're going to come pray, and when we get done praying, we love to talk to you and meet you. Some pastors run out the front door to try to greet you and catch you with a handshake, but I, I kind of want to make sure that I catch people praying because I want to see people connect to Jesus more than me. Yeah, it's a difference here. So what if, what if Christians were fooled? What if Christians were tricked? What if we messed up? Oh, no. I've invested a lot of time in this thing. But what if Christians are all just foolish? What if we just uh, believed a fairy tale? What if we just believed in this thing? Maybe this thing was just made up by men. Maybe this whole Bible thing, this whole Jesus thing, this whole God idea. You have to pose the question. Remember, if God is real, there's no fear in asking that question. It's kind of like saying, God, where are you? That's not offensive to God. That's your doubt. You're trying to work through your doubt. So what if we're just ignorant? And what if the educated folks out there really know the truth, people that went to college, and they went and studied about things like this? What if they know more than us and we really are just dumb? What do we do? First, how would you even prove there is no God? Logically speaking, most people say that there is no God because they have not found proof for God, or as they put it, they have not seen God. Therefore, there must not be a God. So, therefore, why are we believing in a God you can't see? Then there are people who say that they were Christian. And then they find out that there is no God somewhere in that process of growing up in church and being a Christian. And so they say, no, there is no God. I grew up in church. This is a waste of time. I figured out the truth. And they quit God and they quit church. And they get on social media and tell us that we're crazy for continuing to serve to serve God. But I ask the question, what evidence did you find for the claim that there is no God? I want to see proof, and then I'll believe you. Y'all agree with me? I mean, if you, if you want to pull the proof card, then where's the proof there is no God? Mic check. There you go. Where's the proof that there is no God? They say, I tried God and nothing happened. I don't believe you, first of all. I know a lot of folks that go to church once and say they tried God. I know a lot of folks that prayed over their meal three weeks and say they tried God. I know a lot of folks that say they read a little bit of the Bible and they tried God. No, you didn't. No, you didn't really try God because you can't try God without really searching, digging deep, and looking at everything to figure out who God is. So I want to ask those people who say, I tried God, did you really try God? If anybody tells you they tried God and it's not real, you are now believing whether God is real based on a person's testimony. You cannot be a hypocrite and then turn off your ear to those who say that they have found God. Right? So if you're going to believe people when they tell you there is no God, then you need to at least believe people when they tell you there is a God. Because both sides have the same amount of physical evidence. Right? So I think there's a God, and that guy over there thinks there's not a God, and when we present our evidence to you, we both show up empty-handed. We cannot present to you God in physical form to prove to you there is a God. And I know many people say that if you showed me God, I'd believe it, but that already happened. (laughs) And they killed him. 
<laughs> didn't work out well. Your theory was debunked. Well, if God would show up in flesh and walk among us and do miracles, we'd believe. No, you didn't. You killed him, actually. You didn't believe. Because it's amazing how we can justify what we want to believe and make up things in our head. Like literally, God could step down in here and you would think that you had some food or poison or ate a mushroom and you'd think that you were tripping or something. You would think that the doctors would tell you your chemicals were off. Because we're living in a day now where you can have your chemicals off and that explains everything. Yeah, so just fix the chemical. Oh, we don't know how. Oh, okay. So we're living in a day where you can dismiss anything you see with your eyes and say, I don't believe it. It doesn't work that way with God, but that's what we do. So are, have you really tried God? Are you sure that you did things the way the Bible says you had to do them to know there was a God? Because the Bible tells us there is a certain way to find God. The Bible says there's an address for God. Did you really look up the address for God? Go down the road that God lives on. Go to the house on the street God lives in. Did you really go all through all that trouble to see if God is real? Or did you just get in the vicinity and say, well, maybe there's a God. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see one. Did you really go through every step by step like the scriptures reveal you're supposed to do? Are you sure you didn't blindly believe a person and you really had faith and obedience like the Bible says? Are you sure? Are you sure you didn't get hurt by so-called Christians who were really nothing like the Bible? Are you sure? Mike sounds worse now. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just me. If y'all can, can't fix it, just I'll, I'll switch in a minute. Wait, did you grow up around fake Christians or real Christians? How are you measuring whether God's real based on the people that you met? Well, if you grew up around fake Christians, no wonder you don't believe in God. But I'm so glad that God is not a man, that he should lie. I'm so, God that, I'm so glad that God is not contained only inside of hypocrites. I'm so glad that God is outside of so-called Christians who are fake and they're tricking everybody. I'm so glad I can know God even when I know hypocrites. I'm so glad I can know God even when there's fake Christians. I'm so glad there's another way to prove God is real other than the way I was raised and the parents who, who went to church and still cussed me out after service was over. Let me ask you a question. Did you really see if there's a God? Are you using all your past to prove there's a God or not a God based on tangible things? Mistakenly thinking that God is physical when the Bible clearly says God is spirit. And if you're going to find him, it's going to be through the, the spirit. That means eyes closed. That means without touching. That means without your physical ears. That means if you're going to find a God that's not just contained by the universe, that you're going to have to get into the spirit realm to find that God. That's just common sense to me. If God is a spirit, then I have to be spiritual to find God. So did you grow up around the fake Christians? Did you grow up around the real Christians? Which one was it? Where are those, listen to this, where are those who were raised atheists, find Christ at the age of, let's say, 40, and then turn back to atheism. There's not many of those that I've ever found. It seems like the ones that I have found that claim there is no Jesus are the ones that were raised by hypocrites. It seems like the majority of Christians I have found that have turned their back on God have been beaten by so-called Christian people, abused by so-called Christian people, 
hurt by so-called pastors, I think you're measuring God off of the frailty and the fallen nature of man. And that's just not fair to God, is it? For you to say that there is no God because people can turn their back on God. People can pretend and act a certain way in crowds and act another way in private. And you have decided your fate off of the frailty of broken humanity is just simply not wise in my opinion. Find me someone who grew up around real Christians and studied and lived the Bible accurately that turned atheists later. Because I haven't found them yet. I have not found that person yet who was raised by two parents that both loved God, that went into a church where people loved God, that believed the Bible accurately like the Bible is taught, and then one day just said there is no God. Even the worst case scenarios of those children who grow up in the best churches do not say there is no God. They simply say there is a God, but I'm going to go to the bar. It's truth. If you will train up a child the right way, that child does not become an atheist. That child might be a strong sinner. That child might still go out to the bar. That child might say, I'm a selfish human. But that child knows deep inside their spirit that I was around too much God growing up. I'm telling you all the truth today. And you know it's the truth too. Think about it while I'm talking. Who do you know like that? And how do you know they didn't lie to you? I'm, when you know something, you have to be around it to know it. Don't listen to social media. Don't listen to someone you don't know. When you think of facts and what's real, think of people that you can prove. Not, not people you heard claim things. Because we're living in a day right now where people will straight up lie. They'll lie. They will make up stories to fit their agendas. And we take it, we take it so easily. We fall for the bait so many times. Now, do I believe that one would hear me make that claim, especially online, and they would come out and put in the comment section, oh, no, no, I was that one that was raised in church perfectly, and I don't believe in God. Do I believe they would do that and lie? Absolutely. I believe they have an agenda. I believe they have a spirit of deception on them. I believe they would lie. That's why I would need proof of that claim. I would need to be raised in church with you or around you or know someone that was raised in church with you and then see it. Then I, then I would start to have data. But I have no data, church family. I don't know people like that. It's not a real thing. When you do Jesus right, this thing sticks. When you do the Bible the right way, it's difficult to not believe that there's a God in heaven. Yeah, there are liars out there. And they would pretend that they, they, they believe that, that they were actually in it when they really weren't in it. Because they want to ease their conscience and their fear of going to hell that they would pretend things and lie about things. But I don't have any data for this kind of person. Because when you're raised in the truth and you're raised around real Christians, you long for God. You desire God. You can't shake the idea of God. It's always there in your mind. I've seen too much to turn back. I know too much. I will one day probably get back in church. I just need to get some stuff right first. When you're raised the right way, you will always believe in God. Even if you've, you're too selfish to serve Him. It will be in your heart. Also remember this, that people who tell you there is no God, they're atheists, and they have no morals to, to not lie by. 
What keeps an atheist from lying? He has no morality to have to live by. We think we'll go to hell if we do it. Are you going to keep listening to atheists tell you there is no God? Are you going to keep listening to people on YouTube tell you that I had experiences to prove there is no God? Why would we take people so seriously when we know there's a spirit of deception? I don't believe anybody that I can't prove unless the spirit says you better believe it. I don't believe anything I can't prove. I have to have a confirmation in the Holy Ghost if I have no data. I have to. People are liars. People are deceivers. We live in a fallen world. I don't just believe stuff I see online. I don't believe stuff I see in social media. I don't care if there's 30,000 testimonies. There is no God. I've seen too much. I've been around too much. I've witnessed too much real to not believe. So I'm not going to believe people that don't have a moral standard to live by because they can lie to me and not feel feel bad about it. I'm going to trust that guy. He's got evidence there is no God. He's an atheist. Well, if he's an atheist, he doesn't care about lying. Therefore, he can make something up to, to sleep better at night, to feel better about himself. Listen, you have, you, you cannot, you know why people get so mad at us when we preach about heaven and hell? And, and they don't even believe in God. They don't even believe in hell. You know why they get so mad? Because deep inside, they do believe in hell. Why, why is it that people get so angry when we preach about heaven and hell? And, and we're just preaching. We're not even like throwing anything at anybody or even like, like being mean to them. You know why they're so angry and they're atheists? Because they know deep in their conscience that they're wrong, that they've turned their back on God. That's what they know in their heart. And that's why they get violent. I didn't say, I'm going to put you in hell. I didn't say, I'm going to put you in jail. I'm not meaning any harm to you. Why are you so violent because I preached about Jesus? Because you know in your heart you're wrong. You just don't want to admit it. If God did not exist, let that settle in, I would have as much physical evidence now as I did before. (laughs) If there is no God, and I have been believing that there is one voice in my head that's supposed to be God talking to me and working in my life, I would need some evidence that the voice in my head that I think is God is not real and the miracles happening in my life are taking place by chance. Prove to me they are. Prove to me that the voice in my head is not real. Show me evidence that it's not God talking to me. And I'll believe you. But you can't do it, can you? Show me evidence that that the miracles I'm witnessing in my life are just by chance and not by divine touch from heaven. I would almost need God to tell me he's not real. But as soon as he did that, I'd be like, you got me. Yes, you are. Because you just told me that you weren't. How are you talking to me right now? One could almost argue that the voice of God can be just this imaginary person that I have created in my mind like a child does with their imaginary friend. They talk to someone in the corner of the room. And we think that the child is just underdeveloped and their brain's not all there and maybe sometimes we think they've got problems and they're talking to an imaginary person and that scares us and so maybe that's what it is maybe we're just thinking that we have this imaginary buddy and we've created this narrative in our brain 
And we believe it because we want to believe it is what they tell us. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. That the voice is just a part of me. It's just a part of my conscience. And I'm trying to act like that voice is God, the same God in the Bible. I'm just making it up. We are just making it up. Maybe that's what it is. And at the end of all of these, these maybes, there is still no physical proof that God, which is divine by, defined by an invisible spirit, is not in fact real and not in fact actually talking to individuals. Or maybe, maybe that I'm hearing things. Because I studied the Bible and the Bible is impressing me to live a certain way and to pretend that God is speaking to me when really it's just the memory of the scriptures that I've studied. Maybe that's what I think that is God in my head. Or maybe that when I pray and imagine God is speaking to me so much, I'm just plain confused and I'm going crazy. Maybe that's what it is that explains my walk with God. The truth is, church family, and I'm not afraid to admit it, there are times when I have doubts, and I've got to confront these doubts and find answers, or I will go crazy. I've got to come to a conclusion about the doubts that come and attack me, and as young people especially, you've got to attack the doubts that come against you. This pastor's not afraid to talk about, is God real? Because if he's real, he will show himself real. If he's real, he can be tested. If he's real, he can be looked into. If he's real, he can be sought after. And if he's real, he's not insecure about me asking. So I, I have wondered sometimes, and I know that you might not want to say amen, but I'll, I'll, as the pastor, I'll lead the way. I have wondered sometimes deep in my heart, especially going through a storm or a tough time, am I, have, I just, have I fallen for the bait? Am I, just a, am I an emotional being that just does it because I was raised in it? Am I just doing this because, I don't know, I just woke up one day and got bored and my friends were doing it? Is this real? Is God even real? Could men really have faked the Bible and then done such a good job? Now, if you don't study the Bible, you don't know what I'm talking about. How do they do such a good job being just a bunch of fishermen? I mean, it's pretty amazing how that Bible is such a popular book, and we've kind of turned the whole world upside down with it. If it was just written by mere mortals, pretty hats off to those guys. They got us good. The greatest prank of all time. We're going to create a worldwide religion that causes people to give away their money and love their enemy. Die on crosses for people. It's, it's really impressive what they did. Could the earth and life just be a big accident? When you look across the Grand Canyon, and you look across the mountains and the rivers, and you look across life and newborn babies and little puppies, you look across this beautiful world and waterfalls, and you say, wow, what an accident. What other accident turns out so good in your life? When you drop your dishes on the tile floor, does it turn out beautiful? When you don't touch your garden, does it accidentally get great? You don't trim your hair. You don't mess with it. Things don't get better when you leave them alone. They get worse. So am I to believe that this, all this wonderful, beautiful everything, that the human body and the cells and everything about us is just an accident? That I am just come from a monkey. And yet we have not found a monkey turn into a human 
and all recorded history. But it's happening. Just real slow. Those monkeys are stubborn. They're like whispering to each other, don't let them know yet. Keep playing like you like the bananas and you really want a steak. Just... They're over there doing science in, in private, trying to hide their human tendencies. Could this life be all that there is? Stinks for everybody who was born and lived three years and died. Didn't get to have much life if that's all there is. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't believe that. That doesn't make any sense to me. If this life is all there is, and it really stinks whenever you didn't get to live it, what's the even point? Stinks for everybody who lived to be 12 and died, if that's true, or every aborted baby that never even got a chance. You see, we live in a wicked hour, and we are sent me today to say this. There is constantly a pressure to give up and go with the flow of our antichrist spirit that's moving through the world right now. There's a constant pressure, doubting, doubting. How many of you can agree right now you feel like a dark cloud follows you around in this city? And tries to get your mind to snap. Tries to get you to give up and quit. We are surrounded every day by the Spirit. Someone the other day, I think Omar told me that he was over outside of Austin. And there was a minister that has to travel into Austin. He met at a restaurant. And the minister said, I just hate going to Austin. Every time I go there, I feel like suicide comes over me. It's the darkness. It's the Antichrist. It's the what's the point in living? If there is no God and no purpose and I'm just an accident. No, you are not in the name of Jesus. You are not an accident. That's why we abort babies. That's why we kill people. Because you don't understand that this is not an accident. I was created on purpose. My life has design and meaning. We value life as Christians. Because we realize we have a purpose of living. In order to conquer this attack, I had to play out some scenarios recently to overcome the spirit that is coming for me and coming for you. And here are my answers. What would I do if there was no God? How differently would I live, D.C.? Would I give up my Christian lifestyle if there was no God? What would guide my decisions and determine good and evil in my life if there was no God? Would I listen to my heart every time it told me to do something? Oh, you better hope I don't. I guess I could just adopt the atheist morality where I am kind to people and I don't hurt people. That I don't need to believe in God to be a moral person. But is that too generic for us? Who gets to determine what kindness is? Because I'm hearing from atheists say it's kind to put Christians in jail to preserve their society. They're doing the right thing for their society. Who's to determine what kindness is? They are. They have no book to go by. They have no Bible to live by. They can write their laws and change their laws every day if they want to because they have now become the God. Do you think I want a human to be a God watching the way this world is going? Do you think I want to put my hope in man watching what men do to men? Do you think I'm going to put any faith in the world and the generation that is perverse? Do you think my hope is in politicians? They haven't helped us. If there's not a God, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. No, 
to me, that is way too generic to adopt the atheist morality. Because these things that they believe in are subjective things. What is the definition of don't hurt people? What is the definition of don't hurt people? Because you can change that all day long to fit your agenda. Because kindness is not conclusive. And many feel that they are being kind when people claim to be offended all the time. With so much kindness out there, why are people so hurt and mad all the time? Many claim to be hurt, which can be untrue and not able to be proven. How does one prove they're hurt? Can you not pretend to be hurt so that you'll get attention? You know, one of the most deceiving things that we've figured out in American culture is I can pretend I'm a victim and everybody has to wonder about me. Because how do you prove someone is hurting emotionally? You can't prove it. I can prove when your leg is dangling and there's blood everywhere that you're hurt. I can't prove whenever you're hurt on the inside. Which is why the new battle has become spiritual. The new battle is now unprovable. The new battle is, I'm a victim, I'm hurting, and you just need to believe me and give me my reparations. Oh, y'all haven't heard about that. Yeah. It's okay. You will eventually. It's all right. It's good. I like it. We need to break the ice on reparations anyway. We need to kind of just separate. We need to put a little music in there. It's like, it's going to be okay, dun, dun, dun. It's going to be okay, dun, dun, dun. If there is no God in the Bible, it's not truth. Then what is truth? Scientists will tell us, right? Oh, good. Let's trust the scientists. Anybody just went through COVID? That worked out well. It's weird because I was a pastor and I was like, I don't know what to do with this COVID stuff. This is crazy. I'm a new pastor. I'm a young pastor. I'm no scientist. I didn't go, I didn't go to college to be a scientist for diseases. And they're asking me questions about what we're going to do. We're going to have masks. We're going to have church. We're going to do, we're going to take the vaccine. Pastor, we're going to take the vaccine. And I, I just prayed about it and I was like, you know what? Let's do a little bit of masking until we figure out if masks work or not. I'm no scientist. I'm not too scared about it. But as far as the vaccine goes, I just don't feel peace about it. So I'm not encouraging you to take it. I'm not going to take it. And all of a sudden, after a few years, scientists came out and said, it really wasn't that great for people. And I ain't no scientist. How did I figure that out? I'd rather be, I'd rather be walking with the Lord than have a degree. I'd rather have his word than have all the scientists in the world. I'd rather have truth from heaven come down in my mind and download than read every book in America. Yeah. So, so let's trust scientists. Let's trust the scientists. The ones that said when cigarettes first came out, they're safe. And they were like, never mind, never mind, stop, stop. <laughs> Somebody put a little thing on there that says it could kill you. <laughs> hurry, hurry. But then keep selling them because that's good for people. Yeah. The ones that said a little wine every day is good for you. And then now they're like, oh, never mind, it's not that good for you. Y'all hadn't heard that report. That's a new report that just came out. They were like, no, actually, alcohol is not good for you at all, so you can stop. So all y'all who are like casual drinkers are like, it's not a sin. Well, now it's just dumb. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's bad for you. So why are you doing it? It's like, you lost your last excuse. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's trust the scientists. The, the ones that, that will look at a rock and go, this rock is three billion years old. Happy birthday, Rock. In fact, I know today's your birthday. I can tell by looking at you. 
that this is your birthday. This was the day that the big rock in the sky exploded and created you, little rock. And we're just sitting there going, I don't know if it's the accent or the lighting in the video. I don't know why I believe this guy, but that does look like a three billion year old rock if you ask me. That same rock, next week, a different scientist, this rock is 200 million years old. I'm like, what are y'all using to measure y'all's rocks? It's crazy, y'all. How do you guess something by hundreds of millions? How, what good of a scientist? Do I have a disease? You might have one somewhere in your body. You can't be generic if you're a good scientist. A good scientist can prove it. Not round it up to the next 100 million. But we're going to trust the scientists tell us if they're God or not, right? And then my next question is, which scientists do we believe in? The atheist scientists or the Christian scientists? Because they have both. There are Christians that are scientists. Which one will we believe in? Just trust the science. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this, I'm trying not to be political, but they have made everything political. It's almost impossible now. Stop believing all the weird Kool-Aid about scientists and what they tell us truth is. They have an agenda. The evil spirit of the day is going to work through scientists. These are real people that can have spirits and they don't even know what they're saying sometimes, but they have agendas. Yeah, so there is no God, right? And we're just going to trust scientists because they, they get it right. And our world is much better because of because the scientists will tell us. After a lot of deep consideration, I came to the conclusion that if there was no God and I could just be pretending in ignorance, I think I'll just keep pretending. Because I kind of like this book called the Bible. Even if there was no God, I've looked in the Bible so much, I think I'd keep reading it. Because everything I've found in the Bible so far has come true in my life. So go ahead and set the God theory aside. The Bible is true. I have tested it, and so have you. And I'm going to keep believing in the Bible, even if God does not step down in this room and tell me he's real. Because the Bible works. Starting to feel good now. Hallelujah. For a fake book written by men, it sure seems to be true. It says that men are men and women are women. And that is biologically, scientifically true. I met a scientist that said it wasn't. They can lie. They get paid to lie. They get paid to lie. The love of money is the root of all evil. There's money. Track the money. Oh, it was on the internet. They have a lot of letters in their name. It says, the Bible says there's men and then there's women. And here's the good news about it. The Bible says they're equal in value. But they're different in role and ability. We could have solved the equality issue a long time ago if they just asked Christians. 
Are women as important as men? Yep, the Bible says it. We believe it. No, you don't, preacher. There's not a woman up there preaching right now. That's because I'm a man. And I'm the pastor. That's how it works. Can't flip a switch. Bible says things like this, that men are supposed to be the providers of their home. That's what it says. It says men are supposed to be the security, the provider, protection. Any lady who's never been attacked by a big strong man, you don't care. You will one day. You wish to God you had a big man around to protect you. Yep. Don't listen to the feminist movement who tell you you don't need a man. You need a man to put your toilet in, to build your house. To rescue you from somebody who was trying to break in. Don't need a man. Yeah, the Bible says that men are to be loyal. They're not to cheat. They're supposed to be faithful to their wives. Not commit adultery. How many of y'all have broken homes because of that? We just dismissed the Bible? If we'd listened to it, it would have solved a lot of problems. You wouldn't have been so hurt and abused if we'd listened to the Bible. Pretty good book. To be written by a bunch of losers, huh? I think I'll keep believing in it even though there might not be a God. Yep. Men are supposed to be there for the children. The prisons are full of, father, of fathers. The prisons are full of fathers. And those kids are in trouble because the fathers didn't have a book to go by to tell them, I don't care how you feel, get up, go to work, and come home, take care of your wife and take care of your kids, or you're going to go to hell. Thank God for the book that keeps families together. Thank God for the book that blesses the children. Thank God for the book that protects us. Thank God for the book. I sure like my fake Bible. My fake Bible is sure smart. My fake Bible says that women are to cover up their bodies so they don't have to worry about drama in their life. You reduce a lot of drama when you cover up your body, ladies. Well, we have to kill babies because of rapes. I'm like, be careful where you go, cover your body up, and the chances of being raped are very rare. This is America. And those rare occasions, God will give you grace. But for everybody else, cover your body up. Well, I got to get a good man. You don't get a good man by getting your clothes off. The Bible knew that. The Bible knows that. The Bible's been saying it for thousands of years. What's wrong with our societies? We don't believe the Bible. I know we have guests come in. I know we have people come in that don't believe the Bible and they're new at this. We have been new too. We don't judge you. But I have to preach the truth to save you and set you free. You, your relationships, your self-esteem is broken because the world told you as a woman to uncover and, and to act all crazy. But that's not what gets a husband. That's not what gets a good man. Anybody will kiss you like that, but they may not want to stay married to you like that. I'm so glad the Bible talked about all this because we're starting to figure it out that our society is broken because we've been doing these, these crazy things. We have. Yep, the Bible says that, that women are supposed to cover up. They're supposed to act 
like a woman, not like a man. They're supposed to submit to their husbands, care for the home life and the children as their main life goal. That's not the only thing you do, ladies, but that's your main life purpose that God gave to you as a woman. I know our society has made that difficult on you, but we still have to strive to do the will of God. Even when society says it's tough, we still have to have a heartbeat for God. Right, ladies? I know you're in a tough spot, but we still have to have a heart for God. Right, ladies? I know you have to work two jobs right now. That's fine. But you can dream. You can dream. God can provide. Let's believe God. Because, because the Lord wants you ladies to be with those kids because us men, we go crazy with them. We weren't built for this. I'm seeing a lot of daddies these days, boy, taking care of a lot of kids out in public, man. The women are just sitting back on their phones, and dads are just like, I'll get the bottle. <laughs> I'm seeing all kinds of men step up more to be moms. And women are starting to step up more to be the ones that are providers and protectors of the home. Y'all, if we keep doing this, we're not going to win the next war, I promise you. It's <laughs> not going to happen. The reason why we're going to have to have nuclear warfare is because there ain't going to be any men left to fight. Hey, uh, bring in battalion. Oh, they're feeding the babies. Uh, let's just get the nukes. We have, we have got to go back to the Bible way because people are miserable. Now, they're going to tell us they're happy. It's a lie. It's been proven. It's, be, it's been debunked. There are so many women out there saying, no, I'm happy, and I didn't do that. I'm happy, and I went and got this. No, they're not. Unless you were called to be single by Jesus and you were called to go live your life, deep inside, they won't admit it, but the Bible's right. I know it is. Deep inside, women are women and they have women desires. And just because you don't have it doesn't mean you're not a woman. You are a woman. You have a desire and it's okay to be a woman. And if women would be women, I'm telling you, you'd be so much happier trying to pursue the life that God has for you. I like my Bible because it makes all of our problems get better. Some of you are thinking, well, it's too late for me. I'm not preaching to you. Why, why, do, you, why do you do that when I preach things you can't go back and change? The enemy lies to you. If, you. if you're already past that time of your life, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to these young people right now. I'm preaching to young men and young women who have a chance still to make things right. I'm, pre I'm going to preach it even though you may have went through it because the younger generation needs to know the truth. And it's time for the elders to stand up and say, let me tell you where I went wrong so the younger generation can have a better shot at success. Instead of sitting back covering up all of our sins, acting like we're perfect, why don't you get up and be honest and say, I made mistakes, don't do what I did. Our kids need to hear the truth. I'm not preaching to half of y'all when I say this stuff. If it doesn't fit you, don't think about it. Just say, well, it's too, too late for me. God gives grace and mercy. But the younger generation needs to hear this stuff. We've got to do it the God way. I like this Bible. It's proven fact. People are happier. Women are happier. They are happier. You know, a woman wants, a woman wants to have a man who's faithful. That's what a woman wants. They want to, if they're going to be with a man, they want a man that's faithful. Some may be called to be single. That's fine. That may be the case. But deep down, that woman nature, God has a plan for you. To be covered up, to be submissive. And yes, you're valuable and you're equal to men. You just have a different role. And we've got to get this right because our society is so broken. 
It's so messed up. It's a perverse generation. My Bible tells me that lust and sex outside of marriage causes major problems. Find me a problem in America and we can trace it back to money and sex. For the kids that know what sex is, it's when you get too kissy with people. Keep those lips off. Okay? Somebody like, what is sex? It means you're getting too kissy. Stop it. My Bible college instructor told me when I was dating my wife, he said, son, anything over 10 seconds is a sin. <laughs> we had a lot of 9.5 kisses back in the day. Hallelujah. It's hard to kiss and count to nine. <laughs> Some of y'all awake now. Y'all just came to church all of a sudden. Hey, I'm not, I'm not super spiritual, okay? I'm not. Look, the truth is the truth no matter what. I'm preaching truth. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I'm super spiritual because I preach truth. We have to preach truth to become it. I'm preaching to myself too. So the, the Bible tells us, be careful of sex, be careful of all that, over and over and over and over and over. When will we catch it? It's a major problem when not in control. Major problem. It's breaking and hurting people all over the world. People who have sex outside of marriage are not truly happy. It's been proven. I'm a pastor. I talk to people about what they've gone through. And they're telling me, I'm not happier because of it. My Bible told me not to do it anyway. I would keep this Bible and I'd live it no matter what. Because everything God has for us is better for us. And this book tells us. The Bible really digs into this topic. And if people really listened to it, you would fix the problem of rape. That's a sex problem. You fix the problem of abortions. That's a sex problem. Right? You would fix the problem of unwanted pregnancies. I got, I, got a, I got a great way to fix the problem. Don't have sex. But I want to. But it will cause problems. There's a way to have sex, the Bible says. And that is, if you want to get kissy with somebody, you've got to make sure you're willing to marry them and lay down your life first. Then you can get kissy with them. But if you're not willing to be committed to them, then you can't get married to them. And if you're not going to get married to them, then you can't have sex with them. And if you can't have sex with them, you can't have a baby that you probably shouldn't have anyway. Because that baby, it's a proven fact, does better with two parents in the home. A man and a woman that raise a child, that child has a better chance in life. It's a proven fact. So I'm going to believe this Bible no matter what. If we would do it the way the Bible says and get, get conquer this sex problem that we have in this nation, we would, we would conquer child, children being molested. They say one in, one in four has been molested, and yet we are not all getting up crying about how sex is a problem in this nation. It's a problem in humanity. It's the root of many issues. God help us. Pornography runs rampant. Let me go back to my text because I'm, I'm going to lose some of y'all. Perverse generation. Perverse generation. 
Know that there's a God who's nothing like the perversion of the world. Know there's another way than the way you see on social media and your friends at work. Know that there is a God that's nothing like the perversion of the world. Save yourself out of the perversion and come into the light. The Bible knows the truth. The Bible tells us that alcohol and drug use is wrong. And if we could fix this, we would fix the overdose problem in America. People are like, well, this drug problem is a big issue. I'm like, we've been saying that from day one. It's not a revelation, y'all. We know this. The Bible tells us we shouldn't be putting stuff in our system that makes us out of control. How many, how many people have been killed by drunk driving? And the Bible says don't get drunk. Can't happen for us. We don't believe in it. There's a lot of safe people out there right now because I believe this fake book. Better be glad I read it. My Bible tells me racism is wrong. Aren't you glad? A lot of different colors up in here. You better be glad. Y'all know the white folks got all the guns, right? True statement. Some of y'all starting to catch up, though. Good. Figured it out. I'm so glad that our Bible tells us that we are not to be racist, that it's wrong, that it's ungodly. Martin Luther King was a black American who was a reverend, a preacher, who believed in Jesus. And he believed that we were not to be violent. Is anybody glad that Martin Luther King read the Bible? I'm going to tell you right now, you don't change the world with violence. You better be glad that Martin Luther King read the Bible. Because the only reason why black people got freedom in this nation because a man served Jesus first. And Jesus told that man how to turn the world upside down. I'm so thankful for the Bible. Because black people who I love have freedom today because the Bible preached it and a man got up and lived it. Yeah. So let me just tell you, Christians are not racist. It's a sin. It's impossible. No such thing as a race better than another race. It's impossible. But let me tell you while we're on it, and then I'm going to try to come to a close, but the reason why there are people who think there's racism is because there are races that have been hurt more than other races. That's a true statement. I went to school. I can look it up myself. We know there are races, Brother D.C., in our nation that have been hurt, brother. What happens when you hurt somebody that much? You parent children hurt. And they parent children hurt, bitter, angry. And that sticks in the generation after generation of generation. And when you're angry and you're bitter, what do you do? You act out. You're violent. You turn to drugs and drinking and sex. Does that make that race dumb? No. Does that make that race more evil? No. It means that a group of people have been so damaged and hurt that we need to flood that group of people with forgiveness. Because the only way a group of people, whether white or black or brown, 
gets out of bitterness is to forgive what happened to them. Aren't you glad the Bible says, Brother Joe, forgive? 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 So because there are a group of people who are hurt and they act out and live a certain way, it causes some to be cautious of that group of people, no matter the color of their skin. So the only way to change this is to preach the gospel of Jesus to all colors and all people and preach to them, repent and forgive. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive your parents for how they raised you. Forgive mom for never being there and dad for being in jail. Forgive everything and start fresh. And I'm telling you, regardless of the color of your skin, you can make it. You can be blessed. We do not believe in racism. My Bible says that young and old are viable and have purpose. Aren't you glad if you're young? Aren't you glad if you're old? We don't believe that young people are more valuable or elders are more valuable. My Bible tells us that everyone is valuable. My Bible says that I'm supposed to be a giver. Aren't you glad that my Bible said that? My Bible says I'm supposed to pray for those who try to hurt me and love my enemies. Aren't you glad for the Bible? Aren't you glad that the book that was written by a bunch of loser men, that's what they say, taught me to love you? I think I'll keep living by this book. Sounds pretty good to me. My Bible tells me to love my enemies, to forgive people, to give grace, to give mercy to people. I like my pretend book. I wish the whole world would read my fake book. I wish the whole world would live by my fake book. We wouldn't have any more problems, would we? Even if there was no God, I'd be preaching out of this book. Bible tells us the truth about homosexuality and says it is wrong. Save yourself from this perverse generation. This perverted generation. If you think that things like transgenderism and homosexuality and atheism is the route for you, do a lot of research onto how they live and how happy they really are behind closed doors before you are tempted to take on that ideology. A preacher, street preacher, just recently in Canada wanted to go baptize some people at a local beach. He tried to get across the way, away from a gay pride parade. But when word got out that he was there and he was going to do a baptism there, that large group of LGBTQ, I think is the initials, began to surround him, a black man who was preaching Jesus, baptizing people who wanted to be baptized, and they began to scream, shout, spit, throw things, assault, uh, silly string, drinks, uh, blow horns, and while people are getting baptized in the water, the video shows them surrounding them, speaking trash, cussing them out. All of that, these are the people who say our name means gay, happy, very angry people. The way of perversion does not produce peace. It may bring a season of happiness, but it doesn't produce joy. And if you don't believe in there's a God, study people who do not serve our God. 
and see if they enjoy their life. Because from what we can see, it's not working out for them. It's not working out for them. My Bible tells me, and we're, gonna, we're about to close, musicians can come. My Bible tells me I'm supposed to go to broken and lost people and I'm supposed to give them love and truth so they can be saved. What makes the atheists go out and, to loving Austin? What calls them to love people that don't deserve it? What book do they have? I love this book. This book will change the world. I literally get up and I go love people when I don't feel like it because I believe this Bible is truth. And I believe there's blessings in obeying it. And I'm telling you, even if there was no God, I'd be living this Bible. Because when you go out there to Loving Austin and look at people in wheelchairs, you see the, the light in their eyes that somebody that they don't know came to love on them. I have to source Jesus for that, not me. Because it's not in my nature to do that. It is not in my nature to take time out of my schedule to go love a stranger who can't give me anything. But the book said to do it. I would preach this book even if there was no God, I would live this life. I would keep listening to the, to the voices in my head. Because that voice said, when I was 19, give up your career to make a lot of money and go be a preacher. And I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that imaginary fake voice. That's a pretty awesome fake voice, isn't it? To tell a man to give up a lot of wealth to pursue loving people and preaching the gospel. If that was a fake voice, it did a great job. Because it was so strong, it convinced me to turn down my business degree, go to Bible college. And it was the best decision I ever made at that time of my life. I love listening to this voice in my head that people think I'm crazy. It sure did do good things for me. Sure gave me a fulfilled life. More than money could ever give. That weird voice in my head, guys, told me to marry this wonderful woman right here. Another awesome decision. I felt like it was the will of God. I felt like this little weird fake thing in my head was saying, you need to belong to her. One of the, another one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I think I'm going to keep listening to that voice in my head. When I go into prayer. You have to pardon me, but see, this voice in my head has not ever told me to go kill someone. This voice in my head has never told me to hurt someone. This voice in my head that you think is not real, boy, it sure is really amazing when it tells me to open a door for someone or pick up this piece of trash or hug somebody. Things I don't really want to do. Things I'm busy, but the voice in my head says, you should go do it. Voice in my head says, you should give some money away. It's weird how that voice has nothing to do with me and my kingdom, but it wants me to bless others. You have to pardon me. I think I'm going to keep listening to that voice. Even if God's not real, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep listening to that voice because it's done nothing but bless me and the people I'm around. In fact, when I'm not listening to that voice, I do, I do dumb stuff. I do crazy stuff. When I get carnal and I think that that voice is not talking to me, I start to get angry. I get mad. I hurt people. But when I stop and I say, hello, Jesus, 
What do you want me to do, Jesus? That Jesus says, love them. Give to them. If there was no God, I would still pray to this Jesus. And I think he'd still tell me some really amazing things. If there was no God, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just keep believing in him for the miracles that happen. Like when I was a little kid and I was growing up in church, and one of my earliest memories of me in church is when one of the other girls in church died in the middle of church. And everybody gathered around, and the paramedics were on the way, and the breathing stopped, and the dad grabbed her lifeless body and ran to the front of the church, and they began to pray. And before a paramedic could ever get there, and minutes had gone by, and the child had not been breathing, I'm talking like an older child, all of a sudden the child begins to come to life after being dead, after having no breath in their body. Because men gathered around and they prayed in that figment of our imagination. I think I'm going to keep doing it. I think I'm going to keep calling that name. If there's any chance that the dead can live when I call the name of Jesus, I'm going to keep calling the name of Jesus. And you'll have to just call me crazy. It's not your daughter. It's not your son. But what do you do when the paramedics can't come and nobody else can save you? I think I'll keep calling on the name of Jesus. You weren't there the night, but I stood over my daughter, Edessa, a few weeks old. And the doctor told us that we have to do emergency surgery. She could die any moment. Her intestine is twisted. And that imaginary voice calmed me down and said, I am with you. And I felt the angels move in the room. And maybe it was my imagination according to atheists. But when I heard the Lord say it's going to be all right, and we went back and got her another test, and you hear the doctors say, I looked at the test before and the test after and the intestine has rotated back to normal and we don't need surgery. I think I'll keep believing in a God that I can't touch. Maybe you've never been there, but I've been there. Well, all hell said, it's not real. And I said, but I'm going to try anyway. And the voice in my head said, it's not real. There is no God that cares about you. And I said, but I know better. I've heard stories. I've seen your glory. I'm going to try again tonight. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus again. And there he was. And there he was. So what am I going to do if there is no God? I'm going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing right now. After my neck injury, wanting to take pills, wanting to take meds, wanting to just escape it all, but not doing it. Refusing to do it. Refusing to look for a medication like the neurologist wants to give me so freely, so quickly. They may, must make kickbacks on that meds they give away. Begging me to take meds, meds, meds. Everywhere I go, take meds. You'll feel better. Take meds. And I don't want to take them. How do I live? How do I work? How do I father? How do I pastor? Without all the stuff. This imaginary voice in my head says, I am with you. You can make it by my grace. You can make it by my strength. 
It's a pretty awesome voice in my head keeping me away from drugs. My mom had cancer when we were younger. It's kind of a scary moment. I was really too young to remember, but I know that the story goes like this. Back in those days, you went to the front and got prayed over when you had cancer because they, they, might, they may not be able to help you. It wasn't very advanced 30 years ago. And all I know is the story the rest of my life was, you know your mama was healed from cancer, right, Kurt? You know your mama was healed from cancer, you know, right? When she was young, they prayed for her, and the cancer began to go away in her body because people prayed for her. I like praying to Jesus. Have there been times he did not heal? Absolutely. Have there been times he showed up? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you who doesn't get a miracle. People who don't even try. I prayed for a man in Dallas when I was ministering. Not long ago, maybe a year or two, a few years ago. He couldn't hear in one of his ears. And I, uh, I just laid hands on him, prayed like I always do, nothing special. And uh, immediately he began to hear out of that ear. And you're like, well, that's just a happenstance. No, no, look, in Jesus' name, and the ear opens up. In Jesus' name, and the ear opens up. You can try to fight this all you want. You can keep pretending there is no God all you want. But as for me, I'll keep pretending there is. Because it works so good. Because he shows himself alive when I put my faith in him. That's how faith works. I keep believing when I'm doubting. I keep praying when I don't know. Even if there was no God, church family, I would live just like this. I'd read my Bible. I'd pray every day. I'd get in the Word. I'd love people. Why? Because the, the life that God wants me to live, even though I haven't touched him, I haven't held him, has been enough evidence for me. And furthermore, Omar, I look at this crazy world. I look at how much they don't pray. Matthew, they don't fast. They don't have pastors. They don't go to church. They don't give money to churches. And they are miserable people. I'm talking about drive nice cars, still miserable. Have great jobs, still miserable. They won't tell you because they're so smart. They know how to play the part. I'm fine. No, you're not. You're angry and you're bitter and everybody knows it that's close to you. Because you don't. You don't understand there's a God who's nothing like this perverse world we are living in a day right now church family where there is light being divided from the darkness and there is a call that's gone forth in the antichrist spirit and people are picking sides like never before I have never seen an hour of such boldness where people are coming out against Christ and they are vile and they are nasty, and they are angry, they're hurting. You're telling me there is no God? Look at the perverse generation who's anti-God. Because you know what? It's actually building my faith that there is a God. I used to believe it was a God because of all the miracles and all the signs and wonders, but now I believe it's a God because I see so many people who don't have God see how hurt they are, how lost they are, how broken they are. And I'm telling you, please hear me, guests and members alike, 
You feel this. That's why you're at church today. There is a stripping away of a division between the people of God and not the people of God. There is a light and dark being stretched apart from each other right now. And the tearing you feel in the atmosphere is a ripping apart of the true church. The real Christians who serve the living God and those who do not. And you have a short window to make your mind up. And I close today by repeating the words of Peter. By telling you, save yourself from this perverse generation. Get baptized as fast as you can. Run to the altar as quick as you can. Because that, that life is no life for anybody. People that have been transitioned from one sex to another are trying to detransition because it wasn't what they thought it would be. People who tried homosexuality are trying to get free of it because it wasn't what they thought it would be. And now there's only left people who have doubled down. They want out, but they're too far in. And now they get their flags and they do their parades and they act like they've got the truth, but deep inside they're hurting. And we're waiting on them to confess to us that they're broken, but they won't because the pride of life will not admit that they're hurt. The pride of life will act like you're fine. But all the signs are telling me you're perverted. All the signs are telling me that you don't have God. All the signs are telling me that you have turned your back on the Lord. So save yourself from this generation. Get rid of the TV programs plaguing your kids. Turn the social apps off your kids' phones. Get rid of it. Turn. Get away. Run as fast as you can because that generation is going to be lost. That generation is going to be broken. That generation with all their wisdom and knowledge is not working for them. I'll take my, my Jesus. I'll take my thoughts, I'll take my Bible, I'll take it, I'll take this lifestyle because it's blessed my wife and I, it's blessed my kids, it's blessed every part of my life. I'll keep this life, I don't have to have evidence. I've had enough, I've seen enough. If I were you, I would think for one second how bad this world is and I wouldn't make my mind up quickly, especially if I was young. Because you that are young today, you under the age of 40, you will grow up the rest of your life in a crazy world with wars and rumors of wars and people not knowing if they're a man or they're a woman and, and people not being happy. And as this continues, watch the hate produce the hate. Save yourself while there's time because the Lord is seeing all of it. The Lord is seeing the great Christian American nation failed. Time is running out. You can feel it. You can feel heaviness on you. You can feel darkness on you. So run, escape, repent, because they're perverted. They're perverted. And there is hope today. Does anybody feel the Lord calling to you right now? I know I've preached a long time today, but I have felt so burdened today to try to fight against that spirit that says there is no God. That spirit is a lie. That spirit is a lie. If there's not a God, why is there a fight against God? 
If there is no God, why are people trying to tell us there is no God? If there is no God, why are people trying to shut us down? Why are people so triggered by us? Because it's evil versus the light. Choose which side you're on because there is no more gray in this nation. There is no more gray in your walk with God. There is no more barely making it. There's only in and out. There's only hot and cold. Stop being lukewarm. Thank God that the lukewarm spirit is dying in this world. Because lukewarm Christianity has destroyed so many people. It's time to get in all the way, church. If you're a guest today, I hope you'll come back next week and give your life to Jesus every day. I hope you'll choose today where you want to spend the rest of your life before the last days are over. I hope that you'll save yourself from this untoward, perverse, crooked generation. Let's all lift our hands together right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to keep going, Brother Dale. Hey, there's not a lot of atheists in wheelchairs. There's not a lot of atheists in wheelchairs. There's not a lot of atheists in the nursing homes. Because when you're broken and when you've got nothing left, you just want to see a Christian walk in the door with hope, saying there is life beyond this life. There is light. There are legs beyond these legs. There is light beyond this life. Oh, it's hard to be an atheist when you've tried everything and everything has failed. People have let me down, but the book has not let me down people have let me down but not real Christians real Christians exist people who love God exist and they are people I want to hang out with there's a line drawn in the last days I've seen a vision recently I've seen a great tearing away and what you feel right now is a ripping because you can no longer have your darkness and your light like you used to. God is calling to you and you're, you're kind of mad about it because you want to hold on to the things of the world but God is pulling you out of this world. The rapture is almost here. There's about to be a calling away, a breaking away. There's about to be a calling, a catching. Huh. You can feel it. You can feel a ripping in the spirit. You can feel a pull away from perversion. You can feel it. The Holy Ghost is ministering right now. You can feel it. You don't know where you fit anymore. This world is not my home. I don't know where I belong anymore. This world is not my home. There's in and there's out. There's baptized and not baptized. There's believing and unbelieving. Save yourself from this generation, church, family, guest. Get out of it. I know you're living in Dell Valley. You're Austin. Get out of it. You might not change your job or your home, but get out of the spirit. It will crush your children. It will crush your homes. I'll let you ask God what you should do next after a message like this. But I know for me, I'm going to seek the Lord's face. I'm going to believe that somebody wants to receive the Holy Ghost today like Dolores did yesterday. I'm going to believe that somebody's smart enough to realize that this is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe someone in this room has clicked with you and you're thinking, yeah, get me in, Pastor. Get me in. Sign me up. I'll be here every service. I'll be praying every day. Get me in. 
don't want anything to do with the wickedness of this crazy world. That liberal agenda will eat its own, spit you out and destroy you. God is calling the people right now. If you've got the Holy Ghost, would you pray with me right now in the name of Jesus because we're under spiritual warfare right now. And by the authority of the name of Jesus right now, I cast out every spirit that tries to lie to people. Let them feel the glory of God. Let them feel the light. In the name of Jesus, shine your light right now through the eyeballs, the eyeballs of people in the soul. Let them feel that there's a God in heaven and know there's a way out. Close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes. Can you see the Lord reaching to you with a hand right now, calling you out of it? Why would you go down with the ship? Why would you go down with society? When everything we do and preach is right and works, if we will obey and do it. Oh, Father, we need you today, Jesus. I'm surprised there's not a young person today that's saying, I want this life, not the other life. There needs to be a young adult, a young person that says, I'm not a part of this generation. I may have been born with them, but I'm not going to be like them. I want to rise up from among them and tell the Lord, get me out of this perverse generation, this crooked generation. doesn't know left from right, up from down. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to live this life no matter what happens. I'm going to live this life no matter what they say. I'm going to be faithful to you, Jesus, no matter what comes. You are real, Jesus. You're alive, God. Your spirit is calling to all people. Musicians, singers, y'all.